Welcome to the Giant Leadership Podcast, where we help leaders like you get the knowledge and skills you need to impact more people and live the life you've always wanted. Get ready to experience tools, tips, and advice by the co-founders of Giant and best-selling authors, Jeremy Kubacek and Steve Cockrum. Hello, friends, and welcome to another unbelievable edition. I feel it's going to be unbelievable edition of the Giant Leadership Podcast. Do you feel that, Steve? On your I do. Unbelievable scale? I do. I think we've gone another million listeners since last time, Jerry. So, you know, we're, we're pushing six million now. So oh thank gosh. you to everyone who's left all those reviews on iTunes as well. That's awesome. <laughs> you took all that time to read the five million, uh, six million reviews. Hey, today is going to be fun. We have such a great guest. We can't wait for you to meet and see this amazing person in our life that we get to unveil to the world. Uh, but before we do, we've got all types of things to talk about. Let's get right into, I mean, like a little bit of banter and world affairs. And I mean, first and foremost, what happened to your prime minister? Like he gets outed <laughs> for not wearing a mask a year and a half ago or some crazy story. <sighs> and he almost so gets thrown out. So, so kind of integrity and honesty is still a significant value in the political system here in the UK and uh, lying to lying to parliament is still or misleading parliament i think is the british word we use so boris basically as probably since you know if you read his school reports his teachers complaints were boris does not believe the rules apply to him and i think everyone's kind of known boris in the sense let's just say he's fathered more children than most of us have and isn't particularly trustworthy at the best of times but this time he really is in trouble because effectively while the rest of us were all locked down and people were having to not say goodbye to loved ones dying um you know missing out on all kinds of things even the queen having to sit on her own in a funeral, uh, it turns out that number 10 Downing Street, which would be like the White House, were having huge parties with keg loads of beer and wine. And and basically, Boris is kind of on the hook, really, for leaders defined culture, claiming that he didn't know it was a party. He says it was a work <laughs> event. The fact that it said, bring your own bottle. And, you know, um, so, so effectively, of all the things he could be in trouble for, this is a very British affair in that kind of um, basically telling not telling the truth in this instance so i think he's in real trouble because basically everyone is furious with him because we all went through lockdown and it appears yeah. it was one rule for them and one rule for the rest of us so yeah, you know yeah, yeah. That, that never goes well with the british feudal system we always tie it back to the feudal laws wanting to tell us what to do so yeah there we go in america it wouldn't even register as anything other than, you know, you mean you only did that? I imagine they'd have to do something pretty heinous to get impeached <laughs> over your part of the world. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, well, there's been a few impeachments in the last few <laughs> years. But the, the uh, no, the interesting part over here is all types of, oh, my goodness, the craziness of, of, of leaders. You know, uh, Trump, Biden, it doesn't matter. In both cases, they, they just the overreach or the... Uh, you know, just the desire to take on. And so there's this massive brouhaha happening over here because, uh, you know, resetting rules or let's get rid of the longstanding rules that put this democratic Republic in place. And so there's power grabs and there's all types of drama going on, but I don't want to get into that. I want to talk about power, power grabs 
by talking about an old friend of mine. Now he's not a friend, an old uh, nemesis, Vladimir mm. Putin. Oh my goodness. You guys, have you ever heard of this guy, Vladimir Putin? Yeah, he supplies most of the gas to uh, Western Europe, which is part of the problem. <laughs> Dude, I mean, seriously, Steve, I, and for all of you listeners, I lived in Russia. If you don't know the story, I lived there for a couple of years with Boris Yeltsin. And uh, Putin was coming up the ranks because he was the mayor of St. Petersburg and he was a former KGB agent in Eastern Europe. And so he basically came up in this uh, totalitarianism mother russia nationalism and he's he's been an unbelievable james bond character i mean he's like a perfect james bond character and he has been so good at manipulation so good at uh media he's so good at <laughs> resetting rules to stay in power this long yeah uh, and and so now you've got this situation at 70 years old is this his magnum opus? Is this what he's doing to basically say, I'm going to pull back in the Ukraine? And, you know, he he tried it with Crimea. It worked. Uh, Obama didn't respond or the West or NATO didn't respond to the Ukraine because it's this no man's land. And now they're right on the border. And I, I saw it last night. I saw all of the tanks, the amount of pictures of all of their weapons. That's not like an incursion. It's like you don't you don't do that. You unless you mean to attack. So I don't know. What, love to hear your thoughts on it. What's your what's the perspective on the other side of the pond? I think pretty much he can do whatever he wants, <laughs> in the sense that there's no military intervention is going to stop them moving into Ukraine if they want to. And I think the reality with Putin has always been that he plays to his home audience that basically love to believe the Russian bear is still mighty, is still influential. And I guess with uh, gas and oil back at $84 a barrel, uh, the economic realities for Russia are better than they were a couple of years ago. So in a sense, mm -hmm. you've got parts of Ukraine which are Russian anyway. I think it's a power play. I think he realizes the West is divided. Um, you know, um, Mr. Biden uh, telling him that he could have a little bit of it as long as he didn't go too far didn't help. You've got the Germans that are refusing to let the oh, you've got the Germans so that are refusing to let the yeah. British even fly weapons over Germany to help Ukraine because they're they're trying to look for allegedly a political solution, but also they're desperate for Putin's oil gas pipeline to go through Germany. So I think what we have is we have such conflicted geopolitical interests that actually in the end I don't believe anyone has the stomach to to tell russia what it can't do so there might be economic sanctions but it's a lot harder to impose economic sanctions when oil is at 84 dollars a barrel and you need the gas that russia has so i suspect putin will go in um i don't see the point like you of putting that any number of tanks and people and artillery i think it's basically just you know i think he's realizing that the west is weak and there is no capacity to even engage in any form of conflict without America involved and with where you are at the moment in foreign policy, having withdrawn from Afghanistan, Iraq, all those sorts of things, I just don't think there's much enthusiasm for boots on the ground anywhere in the world right now. And so you've got this, uh, we have this matrix that um, this gentleman, Steve Cockrum, and I um, built called the Support Challenge Matrix. And you can see the... Uh, Liber the abdication and or protection and domination 
all in happening in real time, but we don't see yeah. liberation, high support, high challenge in what has what has to take place. And and uh, I was speaking to a spy friend last night who's a former spy. Not a very good one, then, Jeremy. If he you cracked shared it. some things with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not telling his name. <laughs> He's a former spy. And uh, anyway, yeah, met him in a swimming pool in uh, in California with, with his wife and my wife. Were, anyway, long story. Uh, that so he, he was sharing with me the, the, some other uh, things going on behind the scenes that I'm like, oh, my goodness. This literally could be a tinderbox because you think about how conflicts arise uh, and it's cause and effect. And one thing leads to another. It's just it's just a. Uh, I've, I'm so frustrated at the domination. This is just you're just hearing my angst here and frustration at Putin's consistent uh, uh, poking, prodding, domination, and claiming it's other people's fault and claiming, well, they all want to come back to the homeland. Well, they can move. <laughs> That's the thing. Any resident who wants to be a part of the home, they can move across the border. So it's just it, it's a farce to me, and uh, it's it's really a shame for the for the people of Ukraine. There, there you go. I'm so what, what, what would liberation look like in, from in your perspective? Today. So, if you were the president of the U.S., what would you be doing in response to what Russia's doing? Well, I wouldn't. Here's what I wouldn't say. It's easier to say what you wouldn't say, and then I'll get to what I would say. I wouldn't say, yeah, he's probably going to do a minor incursion, and I'm like. What? You just gave him an opportunity. It's the same thing that happened. In, yeah, anyway, so what you've done is you've given him an open door. You can't, you're either aggressive or you're not aggressive. <laughs> you can't be minorly aggressive or majorly aggressive. So what I would do is you you basically have to re, um, you, you have to be an unbelievably great diplomat to pull all of Europe in and go, and this continues to be a real issue. What are we going to do about it? And, you know, I know the threat of NATO means that they will act. Well, he's going to come across whether it's NATO or not NATO, uh, seemingly. So that's not an issue anymore. So if, leadership to me would be unbelievably strong resolve and reliance to go. Your self-preservation is creating significant issues. Germany's self-preservation has issues because they need the, the oil. I know we're getting too deep to, <laughs> for our podcast. But what I would do is I would basically... Uh, it's it's communication with resolve and it also is like cutting the narrative off like uh the the russian narrative is ridiculous uh, from a global world world order and uh all right i'm done <laughs> it was my rant i haven't been that feisty Come in a on. while but uh, having lived there and knowing a lot of russians and knowing a lot of you know ukrainians it just it, it really really bothers me and when i heard what i heard so let's jump into it. Um, let's get into our topic of the day. Tracy, thanks for listening to that rant. Yeah. Um, uh, let's jump into the, the topic. What's the question? We have a question from someone today. We do. Uh, Ava from London, she wants to know, what's the best way to align my team on a common goal? It seems like we're all working toward different things, and I don't feel like we're connecting or moving in the same direction. Do you have any practical tips? Steve Cockrum does. Come on, you let Steve. me go first. Start us off. I was well, talking Ava, the whole time. Ava, firstly, yes. it's nice to have um, a, a fellow Brit on the, the show. So thank you for engaging in that way. And I think that sometimes what people, we would call that alignment in the sense of how do everyone in a team get aligned around a common purpose, common objective, and a common understanding 
of the part each person plays to deliver that outcome when you execute. I would say that for me, Ava, I would almost go back one step and say that what we found is that actually going after alignment first without actually asking the question, is there a is there a deeper root issue that lies usually at the heart of that around communication? So my you know tip to you would be to go, is I would look at are is each person's voice truly heard, valid, and appreciated? And when you have discussion, does the team really listen to one another so that actually when you agree where you're going and what you're going to do, people don't just end up in the place um, where you've just described your team to be? So it's it, the, we can give you tips on alignment, but I always say whenever teams are misaligned, communication may be the best place to start. And voices obviously is the most amazing communication system because it's amazing what happens when every voice is heard, valued, and appreciated around the team. So that would be my that would be my initial response. Jez, I don't know what you want to add or yeah, uh, my ad addition is the team leader is ultimately responsible for that. So you hope that a team leader could could uh, agree and see the issue. The issue. If you're the team leader, Ava, then then leaders define culture. It's your opportunity, but it doesn't sound like you are. In this case, you're part of the team. So another option would be just asking questions. Uh, asking one question, not stacked questions, but it could be that you present to another colleague. Hey, let me just update you. Can we get coffee? And well, so here's what I'm working on. How does this affect you? And where are you going? And you can start putting puzzle pieces together, little minor coalitions with two of you meeting and then three of you meeting. And then all of a sudden you might find out, oh, we're actually fully aligned. We just weren't communicating very well. But I think Steve's point is accurate. You have to start with communication. It doesn't sound like there's not relational trust here. It probably just sounds like everyone is getting up and making the donuts every day. Like just have the tasks and clients and all the work. So it probably means you need to slow down a little bit so you can speed up together. There you go. Great. Well, um, the next part of the show is probably the one I love the most. Obviously, apart from your rants, Jeremy, about kind of the Russian bear, which is a particular highlight today. <laughs> but we've got our, our giant um, story today. And our special guest today is both a, a dear friend of both of ours, but also um, a superstar of the giant world. Um, whenever we want to put anyone up and say, what does someone look like who uses giant, is a giant, and does a level of consulting um, and just building teams in a way that I just love. So we have the amazing uh, Mrs. Susie Lance coming <laughs> us live from Canton, Ohio, where I've actually been and I've actually stayed in the home of Jason and Susie Lance. I reckon that might have been 10 years ago now, Susie. So you look no different. I just look a lot older. So I, whatever it is in the water <laughs> or whether it's the permafrost in Ohio at this time of the year, you are amazingly welcome on the Giant Leadership Podcast. So, Susie, firstly, tell, give everyone a little bit of a little bit of background to you. Tell us a bit about you and how on the earth did you get connected to Giant in the first place? Well, Steve, uh, you definitely <laughs> painted me in a, a wonderful picture. I'm not quite sure I deserve, but I'll take it anytime. I've been practicing I my American introduction, <laughs> Susie. That's all it is. So, well. You did fantastic. And I feel like a million bucks. So thank you. Um, 
But a little bit about me. I, uh, like you said, I'm in Canton, Ohio. I married, have two teenage kids who I jokingly say are the leadership challenge of my life. Um, but honestly, they are because I'm personally invested. And thankfully, uh, I think if you have teenagers in your home that you genuinely love spending time with, that is a check in the right direction that that you've done some things well. And I'm definitely grateful to what I've learned through Giant in you know what I'm seeing in my kids. But uh, how did I get connected to Giant? Well, Steve, uh, you were an integral part of that process. There's a long story. And if we had all day, I'd tell that. But the short mm -hmm. version is <laughs> my husband, Jason, was actually in the first cohort, uh, the X-Core cohort in Atlanta back in, I think, 2013 or 2014. We had known Steve in a former life, and uh, he invited Jason to be part of that cohort because he had been, as a 34-year-old, um, you know, his job, he got promoted, and he was he found himself uh, with competency, but at the greatest leadership challenge of his life. And I would joke, he would fly down to Atlanta, and three days later, he'd come back a renewed person. And I had to check and see if you guys were doing drugs down there or something. <laughs> because <laughs> the level yeah. of relief and just, hey, I have what it takes. I have some new tools. I have some new perspective was so palpable that I had to figure out what he was doing. So I would read all the content. I'd pick his brain. I read the five voices, five gears, and I began using it with some of the teams. I bought everybody the books and I saw the people I was working with start to transform just in reading the books and having some book conversations. Um, I wasn't a giant consultant at the time, but it wasn't just leadership content they were reading. Giant was inherently different than anything. And so that really intrigued me, drew me in, and you know, the rest is history. And, uh, well, so. thank you, Susie. And what you, what you don't know yet is that Susie is a creative connector pioneer so of oh, yeah. all the INFJ and MBTI world. So in terms of the ability to sniff out inauthenticity or anything that lacks um, <laughs> kind of anything which is decent, Susie's sniffer is as good as any. And uh, I've always said that you were one of the people's judgment that I trusted most in this world. So you've brilliant context. We often ask people in terms of 100x. Firstly, with, with you, mm -hmm. when you look at how Giant and the kind of various tools and tendency lenses, where would you say have been some of the biggest sort of breakthroughs for you that have caused breakthroughs for you personally, which means you're healthier, you're more effective in what it is you're doing? Give us give us some of the highlights, Suze. Yeah, well, you know, I think when I look at what I'm an entirely different person than I was before I began to really delve into the world of giant and liberation and transformation. A few years, um, you know, as Jason was really gaining traction, using giant tools within his organization, I began to look at myself in the mirror. And really, when I turned 39, I woke up, had one of those moments where your life flashes before your eyes, you recognize I've got to change. Something has to be different. I was in a place in my life where I had a job. I mean, I was making an impact, serving lots of people, working with volunteer organizations. I loved it, uh, but I was exhausted all the time. I was seeing my doctors, having all these different tests, thinking it was a physical <laughs> issue. And I'd wake up tired and stressed and I had no energy and I had very little confidence. Um, and so that day on my birthday, when I turned 39, I reread the five voices, you know, it had been on the shelf. I'd been using it, but I had been using it for other people because <laughs> that was always my impulse. 
you know, not looking in the mirror myself, but like, hey, you guys, this works for everyone else. I reread it and I recognized when I was being honest that the whole world, my entire life had wanted me to be a nurturer guardian and I had complied. And those are people who are extremely present, practical, salt of the earth. Everyone loves them. <laughs> you know, I've solicited best friends who have that personality type because they are amazing. And I realized that trying to be the wrong person and serve out of that was actually to my detriment. As you mentioned, I'm literally a creative connector, pioneer who is meant to think big, conceptualize, dream about the future for people. But I was married, you know, to a, a huge off the charts connector who's wired a lot like you and Steve or you and Jeremy. And I, um, I just really uh, had put myself in a place where I was playing a role that wasn't authentic. And as I began to make changes in my life that allowed me to step into, you know, that first and second voice uh, of the creative who wasn't afraid to dream, who wasn't afraid to share ideas, and then actually have the pioneer push me into action. You know, I I think I would have had the same health issues I was having. And, and yet I have felt so liberated to be myself. And honestly, the results have been surprising to me because it's like, it feels so natural. I feel so energized. And yet, it, unless people are lying to me, <laughs> the work I do makes an impact. And it really uh, has put me in a place where I wake up every day thinking, I get to do this. I actually get to work for the good of people in a way that fits me. Um, and it, it has changed my life. I have more energy now than I ever did in my 30s. Um, which is good news for any of you who are in your mid forties or heading into 50. <laughs> so Susie, um, yes. you are, you're awesome. And, and it was so fun to have you at the giant studios. You came to the Prairie and, uh, and, and stayed in the silo, right? Had, had your silo it's experience. Such a cool place. But, uh, uh, but you came to work in film and, and so what I want to know is like from an X perspective, how you're multiplying your influence um, so you came in and you became one of our best coaches and consultants. And then you've got a pack of people you're training, um, a whole group of people that you're raising up. But then your multiplication is happening there, but it's also happening in the DEI space. Mm -hmm. um, this is fascinating to me. Like what's happened and what's happening, what's about to be unveiled, mm -hmm. and how did you even get into that? Well, it's interesting because uh, it actually happened, the first uh, cohort that I was leading of X-Corps, um, I had the privilege of leading a very diverse group of individuals. And I, you know, diversity is one of my top three values. It's faith, freedom, and diversity. And, you know, I've, throughout my walk of life, I've always been curious about different cultures and people. And I, I just have a curiosity and I tend to make friends in all different walks of life with different backgrounds. Um, and so the co first cohort I was leading in the first group, I was walking through giant material. I mean, it was as diverse as you could get. <laughs> we had different ages, different races, genders. And as I was leading and teaching, I really felt this, uh, burden for representation of, wow, these leaders are exceptional. And I want to see everyone have a voice. And as I shared, you know, we would walk through 
uh, five voices and talk through just workplace cultures. And I recognized that there were some barriers to every voice being heard. And we needed to really uh, take some strides to use um, the foundation that Giant already has, which is, you know, one of our main premises, we want all voices to be heard. That is the five voices, like eliminating barriers, helping people to have self-awareness and be secure so they can delve into complex topics and issues that other people who maybe aren't as intentional in the leadership of themselves, they run into some issues when they try to tackle issues of race and gender and you know sexual preference and how it shows up in the workplace. And so I just saw what Giant was already doing so well <laughs> to create inclusive cultures. And I saw the need that employers were having to genuinely fill mandates to provide diversity, equity, and inclusive training. And I thought, could we step in? Could we actually create content that takes what we have and then builds upon it to really talk through things that are real time in every workplace culture, um, especially in the last two years? You know, after George Floyd, uh, his death, the whole world became very aware again. And I think we see the rise and the fall of everybody's interest in making equitable workplace cultures for everyone and really identifying and embracing it. And I, you know, as a creative who wants to change the world, but often feels the magnitude of it, I spent several months having good conversations with um, some of my Black friends thinking through, what can I do? Should I be downtown in the marches? Should I be, you know, doing this, that, and the other? And at the end of the day, I said, we all have personal responsibility. We have to look to, well, what is my voice? What comes naturally to me? And I began to look at what does a creative connector pioneer do well, and how can that be part of the solution? And so I love to research. I love to build content curriculum and connect people uh, into change. And so, yeah. So anyway, long so, so share, share what's about to come out. What's yeah. about to come out. So I am so excited uh, that giant now has DEI inclusive leader training. And we have worked really hard to have panels of giant guides from all walks of life um, really come together to share their stories. Um, but for leaders to walk through our tools, with the lens of diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. And we've opened up the door for conversations around these topics um, that don't necessarily take specific issues like women's uh, rights in the workplace, but really takes the standpoint of, am I an inclusive leader? What am I personally doing with my team to create a culture where there is psychological safety, where people can talk through these types of issues where they would let me know if they were feeling discriminated against based on a policy or a practice that our team has. And so it really is uh, designed for everybody to step in um, to a greater awareness. And in a lot of teams, it's mandatory to do yes. the training. And Absolutely. so tell the story real quick about the police chief, and then I'll, I'll shut up. 
Yeah, so we do in Canton, we have a Leaders Worth Following breakfast once a month, brings together all different sectors uh, of our community for some collaboration. And our, our police, our local police force, they often bring, you know, their lieutenants, their sergeants, captains, just to be part of the breakfast in the community. Um, and so we did uh, our 60-minute cure mindset. That's the framework that we use. Um, and so we did that workshop with at this breakfast. And the police... Um, is actually the captain who's in charge of uh, fulfilling the mandate for the four hour training for their police force. Uh, she came up to me afterward and she said, that was so liberating. <laughs> she said that was, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion training that we really needed, but we also felt like we had really meaningful conversations around the topic and it sparked some ideas for us could you do this with our entire force? And they have, you know, 180 officers and it just gave them such a great tangible tool that she uh, was able then to, you know, we worked through it to get the, the funding that is provided by the state, um, but it solved a problem. And I um, just see, to me, you know me, you know, I, beyond all of the, the gainful employment, the reason I love Giant is, I see liberation and I see it, uh, the potential to change and make impact in our community. And it, it just inspires me every day. I'm like, I can't believe I get to do this with my life. <laughs> so. Susie, it's, it's always a privilege to meet somebody who is um, fully liberated themselves and <clears throat> living in what we would call at least 70, 30, where you get to spend at least 70% of your time doing the things that you are by nature naturally gifted in. And I, I think kind of the hardest two voices to get there are usually the nurture and the creative. And particularly when you throw on the gender of the female who has a tendency uh, to want to please authority figures and conform into different things. So I think, you know, to those who are listening today, Susie is utterly inspirational because for the creatives, in our world who are they always have a genius spark in them and they always have at their core a desire to make a difference in the world that brings justice and is good news often to those who don't experience good news all the time so as a as a pioneer and jeremy's a connector i love the fact that there are people like you in our lives who continue to remind us a what we do matters because we get to watch somebody like you be a force, a genuine force for transformational change and liberation in an ever-expanding sphere of influence. And in a sense, you also get to model for us what can be done for the other creatives that are in our world. So that's the thing that just strikes me. It's just so amazing to watch somebody who is living the life they were made for, and then it feels easy and light. I'm sure you still have to do some of the guardian nurturer details. We all do. But it's amazing mm -hmm. the energy you have for the 30% when you actually are doing the things that actually fit the way you're made. So anything you want to reflect on, Susan, on that 70-30 principle? Because I think it yes. just shines through you. And probably also, is there a word to any of the millions of people listening to us who are going, where am I right <laughs> now and what would it look like for me to experience that kind of transformation too? Yeah, I mean, the epiphany hit me just sitting here with the two of you. Uh, I was excited to be on this podcast because truly, honestly, uh, 
I would not be doing the things that I'm doing without your pioneering, you know, ability to lead me and to to force me to take action. You know, when I was in that state and what I didn't include in the story was, you know, after I read the five voices, I reached out to you and I said, hey, thank you. And you said, okay, what do you need from me? And you spent a year of your life once a month just pouring into me and, and really pushing me as a good pioneer does. <laughs> and you told me at one point, I said, well, I'm going to take about six months to just reflect. And you said, don't you dare <laughs> keep moving. You kept moving me towards action. And it eventually put me in a space where I was able to actually live out some of my ideas. And then Jeremy, as a connector, you were able to connect me and inspire me to just be good news to the people, you know, that people actually needed what I had. And my team that, you know, you referenced earlier is a huge a part of you just giving me confidence to be myself, to show up, to not be afraid because I did have something that the world needed and it gave me so much confidence. And so when I think about the five voices in action, you know, all you creatives out there, who are listening, those of you that get paralysis by analysis, I mean, I could be your president <laughs> because it is, the struggle is real. Don't be afraid of the pioneers. Don't be afraid of the connectors. Invite them into your life. Find the ones you admire and trust and let them push you beyond where you would go naturally. I mean, we need each other. We really do. Um, because I really would not be doing the things that I'm doing had you both not seen a spark in me, fanned the flame, and then really kept pushing me uh, to just continue to be myself and to live out my 70-30. So thank you both, honestly. Absolutely. Thank you, Susie. And you know, for all of you that are listening, um, you, you're getting the sense of this. This, this is real. Mm -hmm. This isn't just... Uh, uh, jargon. This isn't just books. This isn't just a business. It's real. We work inside people to call them up into who they are. And then the journey yourself of knowing yourself, leading yourself, understanding your tendencies, working on your patterns, changing your actions. That's a, it's a journey. It's a journey of self-awareness. And as Steve likes to say, you never graduate from the school of self-awareness. <laughs> and it's true. And and, and it's true. And Susie, just to applaud you for um, what you've done and the work you've done and are doing in other people. But liberated people liberate people. <laughs> and you're liberated and you're liberating. And um, so the fun part for you, Susie, and this is just full honor, that journey actually plays out and gets launched to the world in a DEI training. And this DEI training is coming out in the marketplace and the giant operating system over the next couple of months. And it will be here forever. And people around the world are, are going to be liberated because of the journey that you went on. And that is what we're trying to do, to change, to raise up liberators around the world who unlock the potential in people. And that's ultimately what's going to happen to the DI. So applause, thank you, and sure love you, and sure grateful for you and your family. Thanks thank for being on. Thank you so much. Wow. Ah, oh, isn't that cool? That's amazing. I I I forget half the story, um, but I think it, it goes to the heart of I guess our manifesto. I mean, the one thing the publishers did that was wise. They said, 
they said, guys, make your third book the one you want everyone to remember, which was interesting, wasn't it? And we, we, we kept the 100x leader, which was really our, I guess, our manifesto for leadership. Look at that, Jeremy. That's sensational. For those who are listening to the podcast, Jeremy's <laughs> holding up a book as if he's kind of a um, – but the idea, the idea of going, how do, you get, how do you work on yourself to get so healthy that you can multiply and that you can multiply again and again? So in a sense, you know, I always say to people, it's not so much 100x. It's 100x to the power what? What's your N number? How many generations of multiplication and liberation can you see in your life? So every time now, Susie with her team, Jeremy and I are, we're grandparents. We're, we're 100x squared because there's a second generation of multiplication. There's a third, there's a fourth. And that's how you change cultures. It's how you change towns, cities, countries even. It's always because there is something which is worth multiplying. And I think to go back to the, the crisis of leadership, Jeremy, which we started with, with sadly in, in our country and I think in your country and elsewhere in the world, the world is crying out, I believe, for leaders of integrity, leaders who are willing to make difficult decisions, to get themselves as healthy as they can, and then to be prepared to sacrificially multiply that which they have into the lives of others so you know you, you get passionate about different things i was go i would love to see more leaders like susie in our world i would love to see more leaders like you in our world and wherever you are in whatever sphere of culture you're listening to this you make a difference because you're a multiplier and multiplication may take time but over time it creates incredible impact in people's lives. So if you're sitting there in your world at the moment, this is my final thought, by the way, just so you know, is wherever you are, you make a difference. And wherever you are a multiplier, you are making potentially an exponential difference over the coming months, years, in your family, in your teams, in your organization. And I think the thing I'm most proud of is that that we were been able with a team, Jeremy, to create the tools that will help you do that. If you want to be liberated, if you want to get that 7030 sorted, then Giant basically is for the new world and for leaders like you. So please check it out, share it, tell others. We want to basically see a different type of leader in our world and want to be play our part alongside others who do that. So what's your final thought? Yeah, giantworldwide.com for those who need a link to, to at least explore. Uh, yeah, my final thought is... For many of you listening, uh, the, we, the reason we bring people on like Susie is it, they are before and afters. And it's these are people who, if you knew them before, I mean, Susie was awful. No, I'm joking. She was amazing before. <laughs> she was amazing before, but she's really, really grown into who she really is. And that's ultimately it. You might be in a position going, I know there's more but you've not really ever understood how to become the person that you always wanted to become. And that journey of becoming is a process. And our job is simply to be Sherpa, the Sherpa calling you up, uh, helping you up the mountain. Uh, and through resources, through books, through um, you know our platforms, through our operating systems, through the things that we provided, we're simply trying to help people really, really step into their true identity. And when you do and you become, you saw Susie, she's secure, she's confident, and she's humble. And those are attractive things. Those are, those are beautiful things to go. You're secure in who you are. You're confident in who you are. 
and you're humble. And with that humility comes great power. And that ultimately is what we're trying to do is raise up a different type of leader, but we're really trying to just find inside of you who you really are and help you get to that place. So thanks for jumping along. Thanks for being involved in the Giant Leadership Podcast with Steve and I. If you want more information, please go to giantworldwide.com. Uh, you, you can go to um, giant.tv. You can have uh, take an assessment and look at, at, at all types of resources. But our goal is to serve and to call you up. And so, again, thanks for being a part of it. Steve-O, it's good to see you, brother. Thank you. And uh, until next time, we'll talk to you later. Cheers. If you're looking for a speaker for your next event, whether live or remote, Jeremy Kubitschek speaks to audiences all over the world. Jeremy is a best-selling author, international speaker, and co-founder of Giant Worldwide. He has started over 20 companies while living in Oklahoma City, Moscow, Atlanta, and London. Whether you're looking to impact your executive team, your entire organization, or if you're hosting a public event, go to jeremykubitschek.com to learn more.